You may not have heard that phrase before, but all you ladies that are here that are moms, you know what that's saying. <laughs> Mama ain't easy. So uh, it's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today. So if you'll turn to Second Kings, uh, the fourth chapter. And we'll be covering about verses 8 through 37. Part of that was read for us this morning. And I uh, appreciate uh, Andrew reading that. And uh, sort of the way that abruptly came to an end. Did you notice that? <laughs> and I was kind of hoping it would be done that way because it's kind of like, wait a minute, what, what just happened here? You know. And so we'll back up and we'll take a look at that story. So... I want to get this introduction slide up there. God made women. God made mothers. And He made them special. Amen? (laughs) I think most uh, everybody would agree with that. But God has given them great responsibility. And we need to keep that in mind also. So we're going to talk about God's Word and womanhood. We'll cover that just kind of briefly as an introduction. And then we're going to take a look at that Shunammite woman over in 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. And then, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? Proverbs, the 31st chapter, I'll just mention just briefly as we take a look at this first point, God's Word and womanhood. Oftentimes, Proverbs 31 is the passage that we turn to whenever we're talking about the godly woman, the virtuous woman, as it's sometimes referred to. And in verse 10 of that passage, it says that her worth is far above rubies. In verse 15, it says, while it is yet night, she rises to provide for her family. Verse 25 Strength and honor are her clothing. And then down about verse 28, her children rise and call her blessed, and her husband also. Paints quite a picture, doesn't it? And that's quite a woman that is described there in Proverbs, the 31st chapter. But that's what God's word says about it. And I want you to keep in mind as we don't have time to read all of Proverbs 31, if you take the time to read that, it talks about what she does in the home. It talks about what she does outside the home. And I mention those things because that has been discussed and kicked around back and forth and debated over the years. (laughs) But God's Word says... It speaks of what she does in the home, and it speaks of what she does outside the home. So I just want to add this thought at this point. This is not the point of this lesson this morning. (laughs) But that topic has been hotly discussed over the years. And sometimes women may choose to stay in the home and raise kids. Sometimes there may be a need for them to work outside the home. And God's Word talks about both. (laughs) And that just kind of settles it, doesn't it? (laughs) Decisions sometimes, though, have to be made. And sometimes those can be tough choices. And sometimes that has to be applied on an individual level. And I'm going to leave that right there for now. 
Proverbs, the sixth chapter, it talks about instructions to his son, two children, and it says that they should listen to the commands of the father and the law of the mother. So it's equally shown, once again, the responsibility that fathers and mothers have in the home in raising children. And it goes on in that passage also to say that those things should be learned. Take them to heart. Bind them around your neck. Remember them. They will protect you when you sleep. They will keep you safe. And they will guide you when you awaken. And what that is, that's like a principle for life. Take these teachings, these instructions that you have learned from your father and your mother and remember them. Learn them. Bind them so that you don't forget. They will keep you safe. It'll help you to learn who should associate with. If I can say that. Who you should associate with. <laughs> say that three times fast. And who you shouldn't associate with. And they'll guide you when you awaken. You'll have confidence. You'll have strength. In knowing where you want your life to go. But now having said that, I want to add this also. There can be responsibility in the home. That's just that point that I make. And there is. There can sometimes be a need for and responsibility outside the home. That's the way it is sometimes. But in this country, <laughs> I don't have time this morning for a societal transformation, transformation discussion. But I will tell you this, as you look back over the last hundred years or so, our society went from agricultural to industrial. It went from rural to urban. And over that period of time, the view of women and the roles of women was viewed differently and talked about a lot. And it was World War II that helped to transform that. And a lot of women came out of the home and they went to work because men were gone at work. And then along came the, rev the sexual revolution of the 60s. And then the view of women and their role greatly changed. And then it started to push the pendulum too far. And then a woman wasn't even really respected unless she was seeking a profession, a career, an occupation outside of the home. And if one chose to stay home and raise her children, sometimes they were looked down upon. So I want to give you just a quick sort of illustration that on one occasion, there was someone who in a sort of condescending fashion said to a woman, mother, said to her, So, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> this is what she said. I have to read it because I can't quote it. She said, I am socializing two homo sapiens with the dominant values 
of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might be instruments for the transformation of the, of the social order into the kind of eschatological utopia that God willed from the beginning. Did you get that? Translation. I'm trying to raise a couple of kids with godly values. And the reason is because I know one day I will stand before God, and they will too, and give an account for their lives. That's important. Tell me something that's more important. So let me give you another quote. Motherhood has the greatest potential for either good or ill in human life. The mother's image stamps itself on the unwritten page of a baby's mind. It is her arms that can first awaken a sense of security and sow the seeds of trust for future relationships. Her kiss and gentle caress is a child's first realization of affection. In those young years, her sympathy and tenderness assures a young mind that there is love in the world. <laughs> Does that sound important? We're going to take a look at a story from 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, in just a moment, but I'm going to give you this other quote, and you may or may not agree with it. I think it's pretty good. And it goes like this. No one or nothing anywhere. This is Spock speaking about women. It's, it's Spock speaking about mothers. No one or nothing anywhere needs you more than your children and your husband. Amen. All that's saying is, as you go through life, you may be faced with situations, circumstances where you have to make choices. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> How important, this is not flattery. <laughs> I believe this is God's word. How important you are and the special set of skills that God has blessed you with. And in addition to that, he placed great responsibility on you. Women. So, with that in mind, if I can get this PowerPoint to work. Second Kings, the fourth chapter. And there is a story there of a Shunammite woman. That story picks up in verse 8. We read down through verse 35. It goes to verse 37. So, you probably haven't, I'm assuming, you probably haven't read 2 Kings 4 lately. <laughs> but there's a very important story that is contained there. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. So I'm going to kind of recount this story quickly so that you know what is there, and then we'll make some points from this story. So in 2 Kings 4, chapter, you're picking up about verse 8, it says Elijah, who is the man of God, the prophet of God, he comes into an area called Shunem. He travels through there occasionally, frequently actually. 
And on one occasion, there is a woman there, a notable woman, and she recognizes that he's probably a man of God. And she offers him some hospitality because that back in that day and time, you didn't have a holiday inn that you could check into. So those who would travel would rely on the hospitality generosity of those living in various areas. And so she recognizes this and she extends hospitality to Elijah. In fact, she recognizes that he comes through that area every so often. So she tells her husband, I believe him to be a man of God. We should make provisions for him. Why don't we build a room for him on the upper floor there? And provide it with provisions or supply it with provisions. And whenever he passes through, he'll have a place to stay. So the husband says, okay. And that's, that's what she does. So Elijah, on another occasion, comes back through there again along with his servant named Gehazi. We read about this morning. And he starts to reflect upon that this woman has been pretty generous to them. And so he tells Gehazi, call her. I want to talk to her. So she comes in and he says, in essence, what can we do for you? She says, I dwell among my people. I'll translate that a little bit later. So Elijah's like, okay. And she goes away. But he can't stop thinking about it. So pretty soon he's talking to Gehazi and he says, what can we do for this woman? Now Gehazi's kind of observant. Maybe that's his job as a servant, right? And he says, her husband's older than her. There's an age gap here. And she has no son. Elijah says, call her. Gehazi calls her back. And he says, this time next year, you'll have a son. She says, oh, man of God. Do not deceive me. And he says, this time next year, you'll be holding a son. And you know what happened? (laughs) That time next year, she's holding a son. But now then the story kind of fast forwards a little bit. And you get the idea that this child has grown, but not too much. And so one day he goes out to the field with his father and the servants as they are harvesting. And you can only imagine a young child how out in the field they might try to help, but probably not that much help, but they would be running around having a good time. (laughs) And then pretty soon he starts saying, oh, my head, my head. (laughs) And the father stops and he calls for a servant and he says, take the child to his mother. So the servant takes the child to the mother and it says that she holds him on her lap on her knees until noon. And then the child dies. She takes the child up to the prophet's room and lays him on the bed 
and she heads for the field where her husband is. And when she gets there, she says, I need a servant and I need a donkey. And his reply is, it's not a new moon or a Sabbath. (laughs) And she says, it is well. I'll translate that in a moment too. (laughs) So she takes a servant, she takes a donkey, she tells that servant, this has got to be a fast trip. We're going to Mount Carmel, we're going to see the man of God. And so away they go as fast as they can go. And as she's approaching Mount Carmel, uh, Elijah looks up and he sees her coming and tells Jehazi, go and ask her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? So Gehazi does. And each time he asks her, is it well with you, your husband, your child? She says, it is well. I'll translate that in a minute. She gets to Elijah, throws herself down before him, and grabs him by the feet, by the ankles. And she says, Did I ask for a son? Didn't I say, Don't deceive me? And Elijah tells Gehazi, because he now knows. And he tells Gehazi, she is distressed in soul. Take my staff. And the language essentially points out, he's not to stop and talk to anybody along the way. Don't tarry, you need to get there. Take my staff, go to the child, and lay it across his face. So Gehazi sets out. But the woman, she doesn't follow Gehazi. (laughs) That ain't happening. She stays right there. And essentially what she says was, I ain't going anywhere till you go with me. So Elijah goes with her. And as they are approaching, Gehazi has gone in and he has done as Elijah told him. He turns and he comes back. And he said, the child is not awakened. So they go into the house. And Elijah goes up enters the room by himself, closes the door, he gets down and he prays. And then next, he gets up and he does something kind of strange. He stretches out over the child's body, eye to eye, mouth to mouth, hands to hands. And after a few moments, It says the child's body starts to warm. He gets up. He paces back and forth. He goes back again. And he does it again. And then, it says that the child sneezes seven times and opens his eyes. Elijah tells Gehazi, get the Shunammite woman. She comes in, he says, pick up your son. She falls down before him. And then she gets up, and she picks up her son, and she goes out. Now, if that were a movie, 
we'd call that a girl movie, wouldn't we? <laughs> it turns out good, right? <laughs> and all the ladies would be going, Elijah, <laughs> high five. <laughs> you pulled it off. Interesting story, isn't it? Amazing. And that's preserved for us there, Second Kings, the fourth chapter. But what does that story mean exactly? And why has that been preserved for us? So this is what we want to consider. Because in 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, in verse 26, Elijah tells Gehazi, as he sees the Shunammite woman coming, go and ask her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? Now, before we work our way back down through that story again, I want to add this. It's always important to keep in mind the context. Have you ever heard me say, read big before you read small? Okay? It's context. It's the big picture that you have to keep in mind. So let's imagine for a moment that you were able to draw back from the earth and you get this sort of satellite image and you can see the whole world and then you start to come back and now you can see the land of Israel start to take shape and then you see the town of Shunem and then you see this one house and you see inside this house and you see this woman up close. Contextually, scripturally, this is Second Kings. Okay, First and Second Kings were originally one book. First Kings begins. David is still on the throne, but he's about to die. Second Kings ends with God's people being carried into Babylonian captivity. That's the context. In the context of that, we know the big story, the big picture, that God long ago had planned through this nation to not only bring a Savior into the world, but in the same time, that through this nation, that they should be a witness to the other nations about God and His righteousness. But in this context, Israel has failed miserably. They have not been what God intended for them to be, and they have not been the witnesses that God wanted them to be to the other nations. But God, in His love and care and concern, has not given up on these people, and He's certainly not given up on His plan. And so along the way, what He has done is He has sent prophets to call them back. One of the best-known, well-known prophets in the Old Testament, Elijah, he explodes onto the scene in 1 Kings, the 17th chapter. 
And you can't forget the dramatic showdown on Mount Carmel between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Remember that? But yet when Elijah was taken up in a chariot of fire, recall that? Elijah was with him and what had Elijah asked for? He said, I want a double portion of his spirit. And so now Elijah is the prophet that's on the scene. And God is still working to call his people back to him. And so you come to 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, and here's this story. And in verse 8 of chapter 4, the story begins. Elijah comes into this town known as Shunem, and there is this woman there, and it says a notable woman. Some translations say a wealthy woman. She recognizes that he is a holy man of God and starts to give provisions to him, provide for him, and tells her husband that they ought to make a room for him, and so that's what they do. And so then Elijah being appreciative of the gratitude and the hospitality that she has shown, he asked, what can we do for you? And what does she say? She says, I dwell among my people. Translation, I'm good. (laughs) This is a wealthy woman. Sometimes you listen to what is said and it also helps you to hear what is not said. So Elijah says, what can we do for you? And she said, I dwell among my people. You know what she didn't say? What she didn't say I have been richly blessed. I have financial wherewithal. I have a husband. I have a home. We live in comfort. We have plenty. And that's why I'm able to provide for you. But I also want you to know, as a man of God, how much I appreciate and how much I recognize That everything I have is from God and in some small way I just want to help pay back, show my appreciation, gratitude for God for all that He has blessed me with. She doesn't say any of that. And Elijah had asked her, Would you like for me to speak to the king for you? Would you like for me to speak to the commander of the army for you? In other words, what Elijah is saying is, I have connections. Is there anything you need? Could your family use some kind of influence, some kind of kind gesture from the king? Because I can talk to him. No, don't need it. Is your family in any way threatened? I can speak to the commander of the army. Nope, I'm good. There's nothing I can do for you. No. I dwell among my people. You want to help me? (laughs) I'm helping you. Don't you get it? 
I'm set. I don't need anything. So Elijah says, okay. And she leaves. But he keeps thinking about it. And Gehazi says, her husband's older. She doesn't have a son. Elijah says, call her back. And so he calls her back. And Elijah says, you'll have a son. And she says, oh man of God, do not deceive me. In other words, I don't really think that's going to happen. And I don't want to get my hopes up. So don't tell me things that are not possible. And Elijah says, this time next year, you'll be holding a son. And she was. Think about that. Anything you need? Nah. I'm good. I don't need anything. But God gives her something. God's going to give her what she really needs. So he gives her a son. And the son starts to grow. And he goes out into the field with his father. And then tragedy strikes. My head. My head. So the father says to a servant, take the boy to his mother. And that's what they do. And she holds him till the middle of the day. And then he dies. And you know that during that time, she has done everything that she can think of to do for that child. But he dies. And now, her money, her position, her people, they can't fix it. They can't fix it. So she places the child on the prophet's bed. And she heads to the field. And she tells her husband, I need a servant. I need a donkey. (laughs) Now what's he say? Where's the boy? How's the boy doing? (laughs) Nope. You know what he says? It's not a new moon or it's not a Sabbath. Why in the world would you talk to a preacher when it's not Sunday? (laughs) We have religious days (laughs) and then we have secular days. And this is not a new moon or a Sabbath. And what does she say? It is well. Translation. Ladies, We'll talk about this later. (laughs) I'm telling you as I read this story. There is woman and there is mother written all over this thing. And so she says, 
it as well. I don't have time to explain this to you, a man. And she tells that servant, we got to go and we got to go fast. And so they go. And as she's approaching, Elijah sends out Gehazi and Gehazi comes and he says, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And same over and over and over again, she says it as well. In other words, don't bother me. I'm on a mission. I want to get to the man of God. And so she rushes in and falls down. And Gehazi, thinking this is disrespectful, tries to push her away. She'll have none of that. And Elijah says, no, don't bother her. She is deeply troubled in soul. And then she says, did I ask for a son? Did I ask for a son? And did I not say, do not deceive me? (laughs) I didn't want you to get my hopes up, but you did. And then you gave me a son. I've enjoyed him for a while, and now you've taken him away. Are you deceiving me? What kind of cruel trick is this that you and God are playing on me? She was deceived, all right. But it wasn't God. Who was it? She was just asked, Is it well with you? She said, It's well. It wasn't well. And it hadn't been well for a long time. So now grief has shattered her world. You know what else it shattered? It shattered her wealth. It shattered her position. It shattered her people. Because all that that you had in the world that you thought you that made you secure Where is it now? So you know what else it shattered? It shattered her pride. Her soul is in distress. Did I ask for a son? Did I say do not deceive me? Her world, her pride, That's what's been deceiving her. She needed God more than she was willing to acknowledge. See, that's why I told you earlier that you have to consider this story in context. This is a microcosm of Israel. Israel was proud. God had blessed them richly. But they didn't honor God the way that they should have. And so eventually, God is going to have to do them, do something to show them how much they need Him. It's the same thing with this woman. So let me give you this quick illustration. 
since we have several medical people in this congregation, we're all familiar with surgeons, aren't we, James? (laughs) Surgeons do wonderful, amazing work. But I want to tell you this also. They do some ugly work. I have no desire to stand in an operating room Now, this didn't happen to James, but it has happened. I have no desire to stand in an operating room and watch a surgeon, skilled as they are, take a scalpel, place it just a little ways below your Adam apple, and then rip you wide open all the way to just above your navel, and then go in and do open heart surgery. Because that's ugly. But sometimes the outside has to be pierced so you can get to the inside where the problem is. What God just did was ugly. But He needed to get to the inside where the problem is. Her heart was in the wrong place. Her confidence was in the wrong place. And that outside, that needed to be shattered so that he could get to the inside where the real problem was. Because everything she was and everything she had came from God. And she needed to recognize that. And so she's asked, is it well with your soul? And then she's asked, is it well with your husband? Now there's little bits and pieces throughout this story that shows you it's not well with her husband. It hasn't been well with her husband for a long time. Right from the very get-go, very beginning, it is this woman who recognizes that Elijah is a man of God, not the husband. He seems to kind of be distracted, kind of on the outside of the story and has this going on. And she goes to him and says, this is a man of God. And he's just kind of like, oh, okay. Whatever, we'll go along with it. And so she provides for him. And then they are given a child. And you never see from him, glory, hallelujah. (laughs) We've been blessed with a child. You don't see that from him. And then yet when something happens to the child, Does he say, oh my goodness. And rush and grab the child and I've got to take care of him. uh, See, he's taken care of and rush him to his mother. No, he he stops and he says, hey, uh, one of these servants, (laughs) pick that boy up. Take him to his mom, will you? And he just goes back to doing what he's doing. And then when she shows up, he doesn't say a word and ask a question about, you ever seen this phone call before? Hey, I've been in a wreck. (laughs) <laughs> you know the quest, next question you better ask. Are you okay? <laughs> Not, uh, did you hurt the car? <laughs> That's not the way he responds. She shows up asking for a servant and for a donkey. And what's his reply? It's not a new moon or a Sabbath. Why do you want to go see him? 
And she's like, I ain't got time for this. I just give me the servant. Give me the donkey. And so they leave and they take off. And then as she's headed there, Gehazi comes out and he asks, is it, is it well? Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? But here's the question. Was it well with her husband? Certainly doesn't seem that way, does it? He seems sort of disinterested. He's not really interested in that, that man of God. But it seems as though, according to worldly standards, he had everything going for him. But he needed to ask this question, or answer this question. Where are you going to spend eternity? What's your relationship with God? And do you recognize everything you have and everything you are has been given to you by God? But here's the point for women also in that situation, in that scenario. You recall from 1 Peter, the third chapter, and Peter is specifically talking about Christian women who are married to non-Christian men. And he reminds them that their husbands can be one without a word as they observe your chaste behavior and fear of reverence for God. What's that saying? You can have a great deal of influence on that man you're married to. And so is it well with your husband? She says yes. But it's not. And then it says, is it well with your child? Once again, she said it was well, but we all know it wasn't. But there's something to in- interesting to notice as you read this story also. Never, never does this woman come to the point where she says the child is dead. She never says that. She comes in and falls down before Elijah. Elijah recognizes that her soul is in deep distress. And then he tells Gehazi, you take my staff and you go. You hurry and you go. And what does this woman do? She's having none of that. I'm staying right here. I will not go unless you go with me. Is that a mom? That's my child. Don't send your servant. Don't send your staff. I came here for you. I want you. I want you. I want all of you. I want your best. I want God. And I will settle for nothing less. And she falls down at his feet. She wants help. Now she can see. I need God. Keep in mind again, this story is a microcosm of Israel. 
Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, and verse 13. Another prophet, Jeremiah. Only on that occasion, Israel is getting ready to be carried away by the Babylonians. And they suffer some horrendous conditions under that siege that the Babylonians laid to Jerusalem. And you know what Jeremiah says? Jeremiah says, You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. That's what God wanted from her. God is giving His all to Israel. He is going to give His all for the salvation of mankind. God is not casual in His relationship with us and He does not want us to be casual with Him. Earlier, oh man of God, let me provide you a room. Let me give you a little tidbit here. God's not satisfied with that. I don't want what you have. I want you. So now, she recognizes her need and she's not ashamed to beg for it. Two points quickly as we wrap this up. First point is just very simply this. You know, I know, she knew. There is no woman, there is no mother, there is no person that can bring a child back to life on their own. But the other thing to recognize also, that there is no woman, no mother, no person that can bring a child spiritually back to life on their own. It takes God. You know what God wanted from Gehazi? Or from Elijah? Think about this for a moment. When Elijah goes in with that child, first thing he does, he gets down and he prays. And then the next thing he does, he lies eye to eye, mouth to mouth, hands to hand. Eye to eye, sight to to sight he needs to see mouth to mouth he needs the breath of life he needs to live hand to hand strength needs to be returned back to this body can you see it Israel was dead they needed to be brought back to life People die spiritually, separated from God because of sin. And they need to be brought back to life. They need to see. They need life. They need strength to serve again. So God, at that time, touches this woman and makes her a mother. To help her see what her real need is. So I ask you this question. How many others do you think that woman, that mother, touched because of that? And because of her own life?
God made women. God made mothers. He made them special. But he placed a great deal of response. Responsibility on them. And sometimes, mama ain't easy. I think it was Betty White who said, if being a mother was easy, fathers would do it. <laughs> but God calls on women. Happy Mother's Day. God bless you. We extend the invitation. Any of the one that needs to make the relationship right with the Lord today, let us know while together we stand and while we sing.